0: Bitches leave. <laughs> You're listening to Soul Knox Podcast, and I'm your host, Carl Kara. And this is episode number 57, I believe. And uh, it's either 56 or 57. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, anyways, <laughs> I can't quite remember. But that's okay. Um, yeah, this week on the podcast. Uh, my good friend, Mr. Ralph Schmidt of the band Ulta, as well as fellow horsemen of the podcast Apocalypse, um, has making his triumphant return to the podcast. And this time we are discussing the almighty classic RoboCop, as well as its two sequels, um, RoboCop two and RoboCop three. So we're giving it a, um, a, really deep overview into the first one and then uh, we also do talk about two and three uh so we uh, we get into all three of them um uh, we kind of discuss some other stuff about robocop um and the whole time period of you know when you uh, in the 80s um, early 90s when uh you know r-rated hard hard r-rated action movies with you know violence and blood and um you know all that was marketed to kids so you know because that was definitely my experience i mean as we'll get into in this episode, it was all about fucking Robocop and Terminator two and alien and aliens and predator and all that stuff. And, you know, anything for Arnold, you know. And of course we have, particularly for Robocop had the action figures, you know, played the video game, all that stuff. So yeah, we get into that with this episode. Um so yeah, it was a lot of fun talking about it with Ralph and having him back on the podcast. And um yeah just uh any excuse to see robocop is a good excuse for me because it's one of my favorite movies of all time so yeah i think you guys are going to enjoy the episode and um you know we'll uh we'll definitely uh have ralph back on soon um uh possibly we're going to try to get him on to the patreon for cover for my dracula series and then, uh, yeah, we have a plan for Halloween for him to come on in October to talk about uh, one of my top five movies of all time, The Ninth Gate. So I uh, look forward to that. Um, that for sure should be happening in October. So, yeah. Um let's see what else uh yeah hope uh, this week um well last week we had two episodes because we had the one with nas alchemath as well as with evan hopper this week we'll have this episode and then the next horror hotel about the fog with my friend mike purdy then uh, um next week we'll have matt prizo coming on to talk about his album with sick cast down to rise above and uh and then um as well as uh yeah, I think we're gonna also issue an episode with, uh, with Scott Taysom of Cloak next, uh, next week. Uh, yeah, it would be like, whatever. Yeah, next week and the sem- yeah next week. Um, so yeah, to help um, promote the kick on, kicking him kicking off this new tour that he's going on for a whole month with Yuada and Ghostbath. So and hopefully I should be seeing cloak live on their first date on that tour as well around the same time I'm releasing that episode I decided to uh, I was gonna release that episode later on but I decided to push it up to help them with their uh, With their podcast with their with their tour There's a little little bit extra promotion if you know what I mean Um, So yeah, so that's what's going on for the next two weeks uh, until we get into september it's hard to believe that August is already halfway over. Uh, but yeah, so let's get into the plugs. Uh, um, I mentioned Patreon earlier. I have a Patreon at patreon.com forward slash podcast. $2 a month, and there's at least two to four bonus episodes a month. I try to do at least two, since it's basically could look at as it, like a dollar an episode right but uh yeah i want to get more stuff going on there um and there will be more um over time and uh yeah gonna try to get some more uh, real exclusive stuff with with friends like i did with brandon and i did with matt Prizo as well for my dracula series Let's try to get some more stuff on there um a little catnip see if people want to join um anyways so that's patreon.com forward slash knocks podcast Speaking of the horsemen of the podcast Apocalypse as well, that is our gang of of podcasters that uh, me and Ralph are part of, and um, every other Monday you have Horror Wolf 666 with Brandon Legion. Every Tuesday you have uh, Into the Necrosphere with Jackie Schmidt. Uh, Every Wednesday you have Everything Went Black with Mike Hill. Of course, Ralph is a contributor to Everything Went Black, and as well as the fact that Mike Hill and I have a uh, ongoing series split up between Solnox and um, Everything Went Black called Darkness Weaves. Next, next episode of which should be out soon on uh, Everything Went Black. Every Thursday you have uh, Necromaniacs with Mike Hill, Mike Scandato, and Jeff Kashid. Every Friday you have Break the Apocalypse with John Draper. And that... Um, Intermittent times, depending on when he has episodes, we have Iblis Manifestations with Cheyenne of Trivax. So that's our little gang of, gang of podcasts. And my other associate um, outside of that is Constantina uh, Tuonohove with uh, the Mycelium Signal. So be sure to go check him out as well. Particularly if you like the episode of Nas or, you know, when uh, I did with Richard Gavin and Nas Alchemist. And yeah, you'll definitely like the, uh, the Mycelium Signal. Um, you can follow everybody on social media, um, be sure to rate the podcasts on whatever podcast platform you're using, and um, be sure to uh, yeah hit us up, and um, you can follow me at either my name or at uh, Denver Underground Radio, and um, Denver Underground Radio is my online radio station I run with my friend Ken, and we have shows on Tuesdays and Thursdays, both of which start at 9 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, on www.denverundergroundradio.com. The show Tuesday is, uh, dark Lands, which is all black metal, death metal, dark ambient. The show Thursday is, uh, The Upstairs Room, which is goth, post-punk, dark wave, uh, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, so you can tune in live every Tuesday and Thursday on Denver Underground to check it all out. and You can see all our set lists and stuff on this Instagram as well as all the posts about the podcast. So um, so I think that's all the the plugs, all right? So yeah, let's go ahead and get into this episode um, with uh, Mr. Ralph Schmidt of Ulta, the mighty Ralph Schmidt, and we're talking about RoboCop. Hope you guys enjoy. Hail Satan.
1: Say, welcome back to the podcast, Ralph. It's been a little bit since our uh, our um, what do you call it? Our our tribute to uh, to um Sam Neil.
2: <laughs> yes, yeah, it's been a while, man. It's good to be back. Uh, how are you doing?
1: I'm good, you know. I'm taking a three day weekend right now, which is which is nice. So I haven't taken three days off since uh, uh last year. So
2: <laughs> sounds good. Yeah. Uh, also here I'm in I'm sub- summer break of school and uh, uh it's it's uh, we we're in the middle of a heat wave right now it's uh up to one hundred and five degrees Fahrenheit here and uh rivers are drying out and uh yeah, like it's really tense right now. like I try to keep to myself, but uh I have the feeling that people are really aggressive because of the temperatures outside. I don't know it's it's weird yeah.
1: Yeah, people definitely, uh, get, um, oh, here one second. (laughs) Sorry. My cat decided now is the time to knock something over. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) Um, but yeah, people get real tense when it's hot. You know, particularly, I mean, you don't really have um, air conditioning there, so there's like literally no, yeah. Yeah. no break from from it. And I guess um, I remember my friend went actually went to Germany and Czech Republic um, during your heat wave in 20 uh, 2019, mm-hmm. and um, he was doing like um, he was in a choir that was performing Mozart's Requiem at a few different like church, old churches and in. Uh, in yeah germany and czech republic and um yeah he's, he told me that don't about how like the the only way to get out of the heat sometimes is he just went into like mcdonald's because that was the only thing that had air conditioning <laughs> yeah
2: right yeah i mean if you go to these old churches you will have like a decent climate because yeah. here they're like thick stone walls mostly like the old ones and uh but yeah aside from that like acs is not a big thing here like cars have it now if you go to supermarkets they're they're like air conditioned i was at the cinema yesterday and the day before i watched the new indiana jones and yesterday i watched the new mission impossible and these things are climatized by now thank god but aside from that no
1: yeah i can imagine going to see a movie in a movie theater without ac like how hot that would be
2: I visited a friend of mine, Lars, who also plays in Olfa and Sun Worship and Unruh, and uh, he used to screen movies in like an art house theater, uh, an art house cinema, and I visited the, the Berlin in um, in the summer as well. And he said, like, you want to come over? Like, there's one room that doesn't have an AC right now, so it's broken. So if you want to go in there alone, you can. It's a bit hot, but you can watch a movie by yourself. I'm like, okay, cool. And he's like, so what do you want to watch? And he had um, Sicario 2. And I'm like, cool, it's a movie that plays in the desert, like in a warm cinema. And it was actually, like, almost like a 4D experience. And I mean, (laughs) being alone in there with, like, cool drinks, it was fine. But like yesterday in the premiere of Mission Impossible, which was like I don't know, like 250 people in the room, without air conditioning it would be unbearable. I assume. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah, it would be it would be horrible. Which is something you get you think about with um, movies back. Uh, I don't know, probably before the 60s or 70s. I mean, they didn't they probably didn't they didn't have AC. I don't know when AC was really uh, invented and spread around, but I don't think it was till at least the 50s or 60s. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
2: So yeah, that's that's uh that's kind of
1: dragging, but uh
2: I mean it's uh it's also like I'm 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 happy that I don't have to teach right now. A lot of my friends in like different states of Germany still have to teach. And I can only assume the nightmare that this is right now, trying to entertain 30 kids while it's like hundred degrees Fahrenheit outside. Um, but it's like it brings me into a certain mood to watch a certain set of movies and uh yeah, once we're done, like with the recording of this, I'll uh, like, I mean, it's already it's, uh, 6 30 p.m. here. Um, I'll go and watch one of my favorite movies of all time, which is Die Hard with a Vengeance, which uh starts off with this famous scene in New York with like hot time, summer in the city, and you can see the tension with people. So I kind of felt this is like appropriate for tonight,
1: yeah. I feel like movies like that one, um, Fallen Down, um. Mm-hmm. like uh uh predator 2 that one has a real hot city feeling yes. you know what i mean like everybody's yes. sweaty like <laughs>
2: yeah yeah i mean like predator 1 is also but they're in the jungle so it's like the humidity but uh yeah like this This. i mean cologne is a big city and i live like not in the most crowded part of cologne but still like a lot of buildings a lot of people um but yeah I mean yesterday like I told you like to two visit to the cinema and the cinema is downtown and just going there by bike and like trying to pass through the people without getting knocked over by someone uh yeah it's it's
1: it's rough right now yeah I'm not a fan of the heat like uh we, we've been we've been getting pretty lucky this year but uh it's starting to get a little bit more hot now but like uh which is nice I mean it's a nice break because Colorado like our summers can get pretty rough um but uh yeah not a fan the summer summer is generally uh something you sort. I sur- just kind of survive you know what I mean I just kind of yeah, like yeah. just kind of try to survive it and then and we'll, like just wait and wait until September or October you know
2: <laughs> so like for years I had the strict rule like uh grown men don't wear shorts and I was like really strict about it. And like everybody in rehearsal spaces with me, like in summer were like blasting me for like, you're here like in a pair of jeans while it's like so hot outside. I'm like, dude, I'm not wearing shorts. But like at some point I just gave up, you know, like I'm 43 now and it's too hot. I'm like, okay, let's just wear shorts. I would never wear shorts on stage, but uh, it's still uh, confusing to me. For example, like the band Afsky, Evsky, uh, yeah. Elfsky, they're like on tour constantly they play like this grim, like real black metal. And then they wear like short shorts on stage. It's like, to me, it's so weird. I would never do that. Yeah, But yeah, like, like, in private, <laughs> like in private life right now, like I I, I, I think I, do, I wouldn't wear shorts to school. Uh, also because like on my right leg, I only have like horror images and probably not a, not a smart thing like to go like teaching when you have like Nightmare on Elm Street glove on your on your leg right yeah um but yeah like right now like i have six weeks off so i'm running around in tank top and shorts and just look like a baffled old man with gray hair yeah
1: <laughs> yeah i don't i don't wear shorts i hate shorts <laughs> i don't care if it's 100 something i'm i'm wearing wearing jeans <laughs> i don't like my legs being exposed i don't like my skin being exposed so i don't i don't um I i wear long sleeves all year as well no. Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I um, don't. That's. I. I don't like. I don't like my. Uh. I don't like my arms being exposed. So. Um. Mm. You know, even if I wear a t-shirt, I'm still wearing like a hoodie or something over it. <laughs> you know. Okay. I, yeah. but I have. I have like real light, like a real light hoodie that I wear during summer, so it's not very hot. Okay. Yeah. So it's like because I don't. Um. My skin burns super easy. So I should
2: call you Vlad. Hi Now.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like. <laughs> My skin, my skin does not uh, does not deal with the sun very good, and of course, like I, I work a job where I'm out um, outdoors all day, so my face gets all fucked up from it. But mm. I just wear a hat, you know, and try to keep the sun off my face. But yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the um? So pe- people are always like, "How do you do that?" I'm like, "Well, maybe I'm just used to it because I'm just uh, that's how I've always been." <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, yeah.
2: You get used to st- stuff like this. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, and then I don't, I'm also allergic to sunscreen, so. Okay, wow. <laughs> yeah, so not only do I burn easy, but, but sunscreen, like, messes with me really bad, so, yeah, I just have to cover up, you know, and I mean, but you look at, uh, there's a lot of cultures who live in hot desert areas where they they cover up, you know, I look at all, a lot of the Mexican guys that I work with and stuff, and a lot of them are, like, wear long sleeves all year, you know what I mean, they don't, Yeah. and, and like, cowboy hats and shit, you know what I mean, like
2: yeah it's also the peoples and tribes like living in deserts you know like rocking like scars around their whole body and it's like you see it at first and think like this is crazy but then again like it makes total sense because otherwise you get burned up yeah
1: yeah you don't want to get yeah that's about protecting your skin it's a little bit hotter but you know yeah it's it's, it's crazy to, and yeah you look at like the in the middle east like they're wearing like the big like um heavy like um
2: or, or and Yeah,
1: yeah, and and like like the like you know the men wear like you know these like long flowing robes. Yeah, you see like the Bedouin type of tribes and stuff like that. You know, like yeah. yeah, but yeah, I mean here, particularly here, we're definitely desert. You know, when it gets really hot, uh we're off air. We're talking, or we're just talking just now about hot hot movies. Not off air, but. um yeah. One thing I always like to watch when it's hot out is uh, is westerns as well. So yes, like yes. like I'll, I'll have to watch like High Plains Drifter and all those kinds of movies, you know. <laughs>
2: yeah, I will. I, really, I also have like I bought a bunch of Blu rays now of like these old like westerns, and uh, I want to get into those. And uh, I also thought of like I need to revisit uh, No Country for Old Men, which is also like a heat desert movie. Um, so yeah, I, I always like like you now watching stuff or like listening to music that goes accordingly to to the sound, like to the feeling outside, and that's why right now I play a lot of like True Widow and Horseback and stuff like that. Um,
1: yeah, yeah, I'm kind of kind of the same way. I don't I don't like to like listen to if it's like. 100 degrees and super sunny and hot. I'm not going to be listening to like in a nightside eclipse, generally. You know what I mean? Or something that yeah. feels like it's so supposed- immortal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not listening. That's that's fine. But when it's blowing snow and it's super cold out, I'll listen to immortal. You know, I like to listen to stuff yeah. that that fits the mood generally.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah. I think that's like that's the coolest thing. And it also gets this four dimensional character to this to, to music then. I remember when like I was uh, on my honeymoon with my my ex-wife and we were up in uh, Portland and then we drove to the coast and went down the coast to San Francisco and uh, went in the morning and to the left you had the these sequoia these gigantic trees and to the right you had like the foggy coast and we were listening to Asunder and Wolves in a Throne Room and like drove to these forests, the foggy forests in like in, on the West Coast. And it made so much sense to listen to this music at that point. And I always dig it when like coincidence like this happened and the music makes way more sense. So.
1: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. When you're in the Northeast or the Northwest, sorry, like it makes a whole lot of sense when you hear like Wolves in a Throne Room. Same thing yeah. like when, when I've been to Norway. You know, listening to Norwegian black metal in Norway, like you, you're like, okay, this makes perfect sense. You know.
2: <laughs> uh, absolutely, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, uh, let, let 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 me make a killer segue into our topic for today. Yeah. Um. I mean, burning burning skin like uh, through sun is bad, but burning skin by driving into a bucket of acid is way worse.
1: <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. That, that yeah. scene is crazy, yeah. So this 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 episode, we're gonna be talking about the classic RoboCop, and uh, and will also um talk about uh RoboCop two and RoboCop three as well. Maybe not quite as in depth as, but, but definitely hit on those.
2: Yeah, we have to talk about the 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 legacy and the franchise that became RoboCop, or that 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 was started with the movie that I guess like all of us love and it's it's a like it's a full-on classic and it's so crazy to see like the spin-offs it had especially like if you consider the violence and we will get into that like that paul verhoeven like put into this movie and that it spawned like a children's cartoon show
1: (laughs) (laughs) yeah the um it's kind of funny like the way that it went i mean back in the 80s 80s i mean you gotta think like um 80s and early 90s like they they fucking straight up like you know um aimed r-rated movies at kids so i mean robocop was one of them terminator i mean i remember being you know five years old six years old or something like that watching robocop or watching terminator and terminator 2 you know what i mean Like, <laughs> yes, yeah. like. yeah, uh I mean, I was, I was a a kid. I mean, because, you know, I was born in 87. So I was born, I think, the year RoboCop came out. Um, and, like, and I remember, yeah, I remember what, being obsessed with RoboCop and Terminator by the time probably, like, you know, 92 or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And uh, seeing, like, uh, Predator and <clears throat> Alien and stuff on the 7, you know what I mean? And buying all the action figures for all these things, too. Like, I mean, yeah. I mean they had uh I had all the action figures for Terminator, for RoboCop, for Predator, uh Alien like all the stuff, you know. And and particularly RoboCop was one of my favorites and um you know like the RoboCop the first movie like to this day like I kind of like there's parts of it where you, you just get so like you, that, that little kid part of me comes in and I almost kind of like tear up a little bit, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah,
2: and it's it's like this is one of the one of these movies that we grew up on, and yeah, it gets you into this certain place. And I mean, Mike and I did the episodes on on De Niro, uh, on, on on Schwarzenegger and Stallone, and you have like these movies, you know, and there's this canon of movies. Like from that time that just takes you back and um, and I think like Robocop still is such a fun movie to watch and it's such a like testament to how things were done back then and it's like I think the first one aged really well yeah. and it kind of like yeah I mean it hits the it's the nerve of the anti-hero and also like the, 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 yeah, the franchises that all started, like the science fiction stuff. And I think it just has more social criticism than all the other um, all the other brands.
0: Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, give me one second.
1: okay yeah I think that with 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 RoboCop I think the thing is like like Terminator definitely you have like a very prescient kind of future presented in it with AI and everything that we're starting to kind of see come to come come truth now but it doesn't really have a lot of social commentary stuff like that where I think RoboCop RoboCop is like um very much it's kind of a satire but what i always really liked about robocop was that it's set in the future but it's a it's a real future like it's a future that that like yeah that we are almost living now you know what i mean like where things still kind of don't look that different from the 80s in a lot of ways you know what i mean you can still go to places that look the same as the 70s or 80s but just with like smartphones you know yeah but um, but the higher echelons of culture have access to more technology than the than the poorer people. You know what I mean? So it's like yeah. you have this kind of divide of the poorer people who are basically living how they have always lived and don't have, and then you have, and then you have like these corporations who have all this technology and all this stuff, and um, and then and on top of that, that kind of just very realistic future like I feel like Verhoeven and them were like this is this is a instead of like you know being like oh like the future is going to be like this great thing or it's going to be like totally different from now they're just like I think that was one of the remarkable things about RoboCop is how prescient they were in their idea of the future you know what I mean and yes and then having on top of that the whole idea of this Omnicorp corporation like um which is basically um, taking over attempting to basically said so if they're basically take taken over the the police department so they're running the police yeah. which like I, I don't feel like we're too far away from that and particularly like the thing about say like the defund the police movement that we have i mm-hmm. feel like if you defund defund the police from public money this is what's going to happen is you're going to have corporations come in and step in and be like oh we'll fund the police then you know what i mean like
2: Yeah, I mean, what what these people want is just, like, that the police becomes obsolete, but what they don't see is, like, what will happen if if there is no police. Like, it's it's, again, it's, like, one of these rash movements that I thought was, like, kind of, like, too fast and kind of idiotic the way it went, because... Yes, there are problems within the police force, and you need to work on that, but like you can't get rid of all the police, you know, <laughs> like no. <laughs> and, and and it's just like, yeah, and that's like kind of like the the undertones that this movie has. Like you said, it's like it's not too far off. And now, like being in, in 2023, and this movie came out in 87. Like, I mean, we have like experiments, like the cyborg ideas not too far off. We have cloning and all that stuff we have like big corporations privatizing highways and shit like this and um the, the 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 criticism also with the the consumerism with all the crazy ads that are in the movie um which is always like kind of ironic and funny but we have that too so i think they hit the like the the nail on the head for like a lot of stuff and i wonder if paul verhoeven goes back and watches and says like dude like we were like pretty much spot on into to some extent
1: yeah i don't know i mean he he definitely is very uh prescient with with his vision for for the movie obviously like he had screenwriters but he brought a real strong vision to it as well and you know just kind of like satire of the whole thing and yeah. and then another thing that that when i was watching when the um May you know like the videos on the blu-ray for it um that that he brought up was that the way that they they styled the cops like with like they look like more like uh military you know like mm-hmm. um then and nowadays we're, we see that you know he was they're pointing yes. out that they're like post 9-11 all the cops look like you know paramilitary nowadays you yeah. know yeah absolutely yeah before yeah. we like before I
2: think before we dive in maybe we should give some facts because maybe there are some people out there who haven't seen the movie. Yeah. Um so <laughs> yeah. should I should I do a small rundown of the facts about the movie? Yeah, go ahead. All right. So, yeah, RoboCop uh 1987. Uh it's like widely regarded as a science fiction action film uh directed by Paul Verhoeven uh who's also pretty maybe a bit more famous for uh, starship troopers but aside from that he doesn't have like a lot of hits on his end uh written by edward newmeyer and michael miner and newmeyer worked on blade runner in 82 and that's where he had this idea for robocop and developed it afterwards and oh, cool. uh, yeah we have uh the lead leading actor is paul weller playing robocop in the first two installments uh the face, it's crazy because like he has the helmet on later on, but you can always still see, like you can recognize him. Yeah. Um, you got like a Nancy Allen through all three movies playing Lewis, his uh, his partner. I always wondered if it's like Lewis and Clark, if that's like a pun on, on Superman. <laughs> um, you've got like a, a cool cast of like Daniel, Peter, Hillary, Ronnie Cox, and uh, in this part, my favorite part of RoboCop 1 is uh, Kurt Wood Larson Smith as uh, Clarence Bochiger, the, yeah. <laughs> uh, the, the bad guy. Yeah, he, I love um, him. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, like, I mean, aside from that, like, if you watch it and you have, like, I mean, we've all seen movies from the 80s. You've got so many classic, like, side movie, uh, like, side character faces in there. And especially like in the goons and in, in Boddygirst Goons, one of my favorite actors of all time, Ray Wise, uh famously known from Twin Peaks. Um he's in there. Um, yeah, and like in the third part, you have Rip Torn, like classic phase. And yeah, it's just like uh overall a very cool, very well produced uh action sci-fi movie that is gruesomely violent. Two degrees and had to be cut a lot to get the allowance to go into cinemas. But you can find directors' cuts out there. Yeah, and that's what I have. Yeah, to understand like the irony of this movie, you have to see it with all its gory violence. And I'm not a gore guy, not not at all. I'm not a gore hound. But uh, in this case, it's so satirical and so over the top that it makes this whole thing uh,
1: worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah exactly yeah i think that like for who pointed out in in um documentary i was watching he's like some of these scenes he timed out to be like like um like the scene where the ed 409 or 209 or whatever like freaks out and kills that guy yeah, yeah. like
2: in the, in the office and like the in the presentation
1: yeah in the presentation so he's like yeah. They got the they got the ed um i think it was it 209 or 409 i forget at ed, ed 209 at ed 209 yeah they, they had 209 which is a big like robot and um <sighs> and they're doing a presentation and and you know he has a gun to it and then he drops it and doesn't see him and then blows him away like that whole scene like he it goes on for so long like he's just da, 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 <laughs> you know what i mean yeah and verhoeven's yes. like like the point is for it to go a little too long and then when he drops to the ground and they pull it, get it to stop like then somebody's like a, get a paramedic in here or something he's like he wanted it to be kind of like funny like you know of course he's not gonna this guy's dead you know what i mean like <laughs> yeah
2: but like you see you see limbs flying around and and like when he's on, on that on, on that display of, of like delta city and he just blows him to pieces and arms fly away and then he flies through the window and that's like, it's it's so over the top that it's almost like this, this family guy skit where Peter falls down and hurts his knee. And you hear him like for five minutes, just like, ah, <laughs> ah. And it's just like, you're like annoyed to some point that it gets funny. And um, yeah, but uh, this is like, that's like a classic scene. That uh, it's it's so iconic. And if you watch it, like in the in the in the te- in the, the cinema cut, it's just like bam 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 bam. You see some blood. You see a window shatter, and then it's done. It Doesn't make sense. Also, yeah. like the, the the killing of Murphy in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: So, so yeah, I mean, like in the movie, you got the you got Murphy's like and you. They're basically running the RoboCop thing. They've actually transferred guys to the the places, right? Like, that they want to maybe have a candidate for RoboCop. Yeah. Which I think is fucked up, you know? And yeah. And it's like the guy's first day, and they run into Clarence Boddicker. Yeah. And that's, yeah. that's when he gets... And, of course, that whole scene, too, like, when they're driving, um, when they're chasing, like, the van... And um, and he's like, "Can you fly, Bobby?"
2: <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and yeah, like uh, back to the narrative. So you have like this. Uh, so first of all, the, the the whole movie had a budget of thirteen point seven million, and it made a box office cut of fifty three point four million. So j- oh, more than forty million in success, which no one expected back then. That's why it's like spawned this gigantic franchise. And you've got, like, iconic faces and characters here that you can easily, like, make into, like, action figures and and stuff like that. Um, Yeah, and, and, like, Alex Murphy is a cop that gets transferred to Detroit to this new uh, police force. And he's kind of a loner. And he gets paired up with Lewis, his partner. And he's kind of like a don't you think that he has like kind of a clint eastwood like kind of lone lone cowboy ranger kind of thing to him
1: yeah definitely i feel like they're definitely having little elements of that i mean in in a lot of ways this 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 storyline i gotta point out is a lot very similar to something like um um Hang 'em high or something like that like mm-hmm. um one of the Clint, like or like a lot of Clint Eastwood movies like I mean obviously Pale Rider and High Plains Rifter he's like a, a ghost yeah. but it's still or an avenging angel or something avenging demon but like in High Plains say in, like um hang him high these guys try to hang this guy and then he survives and then he goes and hunts them down in a lot of ways this plot line is very similar to an old school western but it's yes. just done with like uh you know with this kind of uh sci-fi going on and so his resurrection is is not as a ghost or just as he survived but and they thought he was dead but like you know he gets turned into robocop yeah like yeah
2: yeah. you also have like this um when he i don't know how you call in english when he like when the gun like comes from his holster on this on his leg and he circles it around his finger you know like the classic cowboy move after shooting, and that's and that's pretty much, like, what it, what it revolves to. So, like, he goes to his first action, and instantaneously, like you mentioned, meets Clarence Boddicker, like, the terrorist murderer, mass murderer, and his, his goons, and, and they kill him, like, in the, like, or well, at least they try and, like, shoot off his arms, and that's already, like, a very violent, gruesome scene. But he survives somehow, and then they take him and, like, he pretty much volunteers quote in quotation marks to uh yeah be in this cyborg robocop program which they have been trying for for a while but all the experiments failed and also at 209 is like a failure and so yeah he becomes this man machine and he's the only one where it works and that's where the fun begins
1: yeah yeah well i think um And all that too like yeah like you're saying you mentioned earlier the unrated version of the murder of murphy is is much more impactful you know i think it's um you know they blow his hand off and then they're shooting him and somehow he's alive and then producter comes and shoots him in the head and yeah and somehow he's, he's not completely dead uh he does die like in the hospital but see i guess like they point out that all the cops since ocp took over had to sign some type of release form which basically means that when they're dead they can do whatever they want with them you know what i mean yeah yeah and um and then i think we also have to point out the the other underlying um storyline which is very important which is that the ed 209 program was done by like basically the second in command i, I forget what his, his name is um uh wait 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 uh bob morton bob morton and um and of course he's like that actor too i mean he always used to play like uh pretty nice guys on tv and stuff like that in america and so he's yeah. playing against type being like this fucking evil like uh
2: you know weasel thing. kind of guy
1: yeah yeah like just kind of like yeah and then you have the robocop program being run by um uh um god what's his name um let me look it up real quick. Uh um Miguel Ferrer as no Bob Morton is Miguel Ferrer. He's the one who's running um yeah, he's run running Robocop program. You got um Ronnie Cox as Dick Jones. He's the senior yeah. president, yeah. Yeah. So uh Dick Dick's, Jones yeah. What a name. <laughs> like yeah.
2: how, how how can you like a better name for like a corporate suit? kind of slimy assholes like dick jones
1: (laughs) yeah so dick jones is the second in command he's the one who's trying to run ed 209 because he's basically he doesn't care that it doesn't work like essentially you know he just wants to get it out there because all he cares about is money you know like he just cares about the bottom line he already had signed up all these like defense contracts and all this kinds of stuff you know and um but but the, the 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 main the ceo guy they call it the old man. Yeah, uh, like d- does not want to. He decides to. Um, well, the Bob Morton guy kind of like goes up and basically presents his whole thing, like kind of going over Dick Jones' head, essentially. Yeah. Which uh, so he set off this kind of like kind of conflict between between um, between Miguel Fair, Bob Morton, and uh, and Dick Jones, which is a you know part of the plot. Um, yeah. But yeah, Bob Morton is definitely like a Weasley, like I mean, Miguel Ferreira is amazing actor, you know. Like he's so like Weasley, but you kinda like him at the same time, even though he's such yeah. an asshole. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um and the thing I were gonna say earlier about Peter Weller is that he is from Texas and he had already known how to do like the the gun gun twirling thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, already, like I guess, because you know, he grew up in Texas, like um, you know, shooting guns and all that kind of stuff. So it's like so he actually was doing that. Like and even when he was Robocop with the big gun, he was actually he did that in the movie. He did the twirling thing. So yeah. Yeah, he's, it's it's really
2: it's really like well cast. So, like all these faces, as like I said, you know a lot of them. Also uh like such a Like uh like the boss is like he plays his role so well. And yeah, it's just fun to like in the first part, and that's why we're like focusing on that. And I think that's the only one that's like considered a classic um the casting is great it still looks fantastic the storyline is like captivating because yeah like once once murphy got gets shot and he gets like re- reconstructed as this man machine and they pretty much erase all his memories but like there are these flashes of his family like popping up his wife and his son and that's like the thing that all the other people like throughout all three of the movies where they try to make a new RoboCop and it always fails because of the character that is there and and like Peter Weller, like the character of Murphy, he has like the balance of what is good inside of him or like the good memory keeping him like sort of human, which uh, the corporation of course doesn't want because he's supposed to follow like these orders, but he does his own thing and that's the interesting part around this, like because once RoboCop is like being re- reborn pretty much as like this man machine, the cyborg, like all the philosophy, like the philosophy, like, oh, sorry, the th- themes of philosophy here, like what's the nature of humanity? What's personal identity, corporate greed, corruption, resurrection. Um, this all like comes together and like unfolds in this beautiful movie.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, um, yeah the first scene like when you when so they they've turned them on and like they're um they're going into the police station to set them up and all that stuff that first yeah. scene where you first see him like i always get a little choked up i'm like yeah it's real fucking robocop you know what i mean Was <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I like, like i loved robocop since so much was a kid like, like that scene always gets me and you see him coming in and and yeah he basically like um you know goes out to do his job which of course hits amazing scenes like i love the scene where he he shoots the guy in the in the dick like he's trying they're trying to like rape this woman you know yeah I love that scene or like all this stuff but then in in the course of this kind of of stuff you get a couple of things like where um he runs into one of the guys who killed him um i forget his name that um i think uh, it's uh it's it's uh
2: wait 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 i have it's em- Emil
1: emil yeah emil and yeah, uh, yeah paul mccrane so he yeah. runs into him who because he's like basically you know holding up a, a uh um, gas station right Gas station yeah and um the basically like seeing this guy and the guy's like he says something that that he said when he was when he was alive as murphy which is like dead or alive you're coming with me and this guy's like right somehow like recognizes him he's like i killed you i killed you and that's when that kind of sparks it off and next thing he's like having me- he's re- replaying the memories of being killed yeah. and and that's when he goes and uh he kind of goes rogue you know and he goes and starts um he figures out who all these guys are like clarence bodiger and everybody and in the process of ta- and i think it's interesting because with the corporate greed aspect what you start realizing in the process of him trying to take down these guys who killed him, he kind of uncovers the fact that, that um, Dick Jones is actually, that Clarence Boddicker is working for Dick Jones, you know? Yeah. And, um, and, uh, they have, um, he even has fucking Clarence Boddicker go and kill, uh, Miguel, Bob Morton, which is uh, an amazing scene. I love that scene where he's like, bitches leave. <laughs> yeah. It's so so funny yeah it's
2: uh i mean Bob morton is uh is like like i said like this weaselly guy and it's like it's also uh, like with all the drugs involved and and the prostitutes and it's a crazy scene yeah
1: yeah he's like models like yeah i love the i love to think (laughs) stuff he's like (laughs) yeah that seems crazy the um but then yeah robocop tries to take he he like does like I love that scene in the the coke like plant and he like beats the fuck out of uh Clarence Bodiger and Bodiger basically spills his guts. Yeah. And um so yeah, then now we are in the, yeah, Dick Jones is not just an asshole corporate asshole, but he's like straight up a criminal, you know. <laughs> yeah. Working with He's basically working with them essentially so that he can make money on the side, essentially through drug trade for like they're building, they're trying to build this Delta city thing where they're going to destroy like all this, um, parts of, um, Detroit yeah. basically to build this Delta city. Yeah.
2: And which, it's like the, th- yeah, the topic of gentrification. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I mean, and that kind of goes through, uh, all three movies, this, this yeah. whole Delta city idea, but, um, yeah we'll get into some of the stuff with with two and three a little bit later that i do want to talk about but like um i think that and then of course like they turn they turn on on robocop so now robocop is totally rogue right but um yes. and of course the thing is that he has this programmer he can't a- act against ocp people. yes yeah. and that's that's that that's what kind of he tries to take down dick jones but then he he didn't know that he wasn't able to do to go against ocp and then that's when you get the whole scene with um the the whole fight with ed ed 209 like on the stairs and all that stuff which is which is um and then he there's like all these like paramilitary like guys who trying to take him down and yeah then lewis takes him and yeah, yeah. like
2: yeah, that's that's like that's like, that there, there's so many layers, like the friendship that he still has, which also is like the side of humanity, like the human side, which Lewis always sees in him, and which is like clearly being displayed in parts two and three. Um, and that's what I kind of like, you know. Like when I I mean we will get to like you said to the parts two and three. Um I saw the first one uh like a hundred times i assume by now i saw the second one that was the only one of those that i saw in cinema back then and uh i i really liked it and when i re-watched it now it's still good i only heard terrible things about the third part and i've watched it now in like research for this podcast i watched it the first time and we'll get to that but what i give it kudos to is that all three parts have like you always have the sludge plant which is in all three movies you always have lewis by his sight and i like this if there's a continuation it doesn't feel like years apart and uh you always have like this super super villain and like this kind of like an antagonist machine like at to nine and and the second one, the uh the, the
1: Robocop two, mm-hmm. yeah,
2: the RoboCop two, and the third one is this Asian Asian robot thing. I don't know. But you always have like this, so that's that's captivating. Like you have like enemies that are mortal, and you have these machines, so it's it's all in all, it's like a really well constructed three-part series, yeah, which just lacks in the quality later on, yeah.
1: Yeah, and even and we'll get more into three later, but like uh, rewatching it. Um, I actually liked it a lot more than I was expecting. Like, because I remember watch, and it's funny cause I didn't really remember it too good, but when watching, it, I started going, Oh, I remember. This. I, yeah, I, de- like, cause I watched it. I probably watched three more than two when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I'm realizing now, cause when I rewatched, it, I was like, Oh, I remember this, you know, like mm-hmm. I remember liking this movie a lot when I was a kid. Um, and I actually thought it was, you know, it would have been better if Peter Weller, but the overall plot wasn't that bad. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. but yeah, we'll get more into to that. But yeah, I think that the movies present a pretty them- consistent thematic ideas and like you have, and of course, like basically like in this movie you have like the, with Robocop himself, you have the whole idea of, you know, They, OCP sees him as just being just a machine, but because they put this human part of him, which they did, I think, because the human part of him has all this innate kind of, like, you know, he's a good cop. Like, he has all these kind of ideas of how to be a good cop. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Hmm. And and the internal, like, kind of good or evil. And I think sometimes the OCP seems to forget the fact that they did that. And it, they just think of him as a machine, but it's like he's not. He's a cyborg. He's got human elements to him, because you need to have something that has a sense of morality. You know what I mean? A sense of humanity to actually be able to operate properly is kind of the yeah. idea. And and I mean, we're actually kind of seeing that nowadays with with them running a lot of these AI tests. That a lot of these AIs, because they're not, they don't have any humanity to them. That the idea that they could. Essentially, destroy us is actually a very realistic idea because they don't have any sense of right or wrong. You know what I mean? Like, I was yeah. watching this thing about this AI test with um this thing that's supposed to it's like a drone that's supposed to destroy like um, um surface air missiles basically or air you know or um, miss missiles in general. And they're doing this all, like in a simulation, but the AI drone kept like basically it got points for destroying the the missiles, but it it would only do it when it was um, allowed to fire by the by the um, controller. Right. Mm-hmm. But when it figured out that the controller was what was stopping him from getting more points, this 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 um, AI uh, drone then basically destroyed a controller. <laughs>
2: wow. Okay. So,
1: yeah. So that it could just do what it wanted. And okay. then and then, when they're like, no, you can't do that. You can't kill the controller. What it did is instead of doing that, it destroyed the control tower so that they couldn't tell it what to do. Mm-hmm. So that it could just operate on its own. So, this tells you that that's in a simulation of what an, an AI would do, right? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, so, it, and it kind of like goes to some of the ideas in the, in the movie is that a pure robot doesn't have any morality. It'll just do what it wants. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, it's it's fo- it's following rules and it's doing what it's being told to, and uh, yeah, I mean, you, <clears throat> like I said, I watched uh, the new Mission Impossible yesterday, and you have like this in a lot of movies these covert operation teams, and yeah, if you fail, like we will not acknowledge that you worked for us, blah 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 blah. So they're expendable in a way, and what they want is like they want like in so many movies they want super soldiers that are following rules, but make smart decisions. And I think that's like why the military is so interested in AI. And yeah, the new new Mission Impossible is like, yeah, the super enemy now is also an AI, which I kind of like laughed at yesterday, which was like kind of dumb because it doesn't make sense for the Mission Impossible movies. But um, yeah, you have this topic a lot. And I mean, this movie had it in 1987, and also ask the question like, when wh- where does humanity stop in moral, and when it's just like, yeah, corporations, greed, and and ego egomaniacs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think with with movie two, it's showing it's presenting this idea that Murphy was. I mean, I think one of the genius things about the movie is that you, um, within seconds of meeting Ball Weller as Murphy before as RoboCop, you like him. You know, he seems like a real nice guy. Like. He seems like he has a good sense of right or wrong you know what i mean you just kind of like innately feel like okay this is a good guy and the way he pr- plays robocop throughout the whole movie um is just genius you know like he really it's like he really um even though he's like um a robot at the same time like you can see that humanity and, and you feel like he's a good person you know what i mean like yes Uh, he's a, he, he does, he has a sense of right or wrong. He's not going to, um, operate in this way. Like he's not just going to be like the fucking stooge for the, for this corporation, which I'd say, I mean, he does. I mean, that's exactly what he does. And he takes down like the, the Vodiger gang and he fucking takes out, you know, um, Dick Jones, you know what I mean? Like he, he's not afraid to, uh, do the right thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah,
2: it's all, almost more like a superhero in a way. Like uh a human with like uh with superpowers in a way.
1: Yeah, yeah I definitely think the RoboCop is is definitely on the, in a lot of ways a super superhero, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: And I think that yeah. was like an influence on on the writing was uh was superhero um comics and stuff like that, like Iron Man yeah. and things like that. So yeah. they they I mean, definitely had that in there.
2: Yeah, and the, I mean he looks also like uh, like one of these figures. If you watch like the uh the, the cyborg in the DC universe and you have a lot of people he also looked like he always re- reminded me of like some GI Joe action figures back then because I collected GI Joe when I was younger and also like Transformers so he yeah it struck like all the right nerves and I think Ed 209 always reminded me of like a Warhammer action figure. I, yeah. I mean, I, n- I never played like tabletop role plays, but I always liked these figurines. And um, I don't know if there was a thing in the States too, but in Germany, to get people into like these Warhammer franchises or Dungeons and Dragons, there were like two like board games that you could buy. The one was called Hero Quest and the other one was called Star Quest. And Hero Quest was pretty much like a tabletop roleplay in like a fantasy land with dwarves and necromancers. And Space Quest was more like Warhammer action figures, but like an assortment so you can play it in two or three hours. And they actually like had like these battle robots that looked exactly like at two oh nine, which like at first for me was crazy to see that.
1: Uh, yeah, they from what I read, so like with Robocop they based a lot of his design after the, the robot and metropolis a little bit, which of course Mm -hmm. is kind of the, um, the inspiration also for like C3PO stuff like that, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so they took, they kind of took inspiration from, from that and from some um, Japanese comics and Japanese, like comics and manga was, I guess a pretty big influence on, on the whole thing, like including ed 209, you know, like they based that off of the Japanese, like robot, big robot thing. And, um mm-hmm. in course of sense yeah and of course Ved ed 209 you had the amazing work of phil Tippett, which we get even more of in robocop 2 mm-hmm. and i mean particularly when you watch robocop 2 like the robocop 2 um robot is 100 of phil Tippett design and uh you know i mean particularly if you watch yeah. mad god <laughs> you'll be yeah. like oh yeah like and you and you can see his kind of like his 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 whole thing with how the ed 209 is like particularly in that battle scene on the on the stairs you know like it's so like what very well done i mean that's the thing with the effects in this movie are pretty much universally like great like they still look good you know
2: yes i absolutely love stop motion technique i'm a big fan of ray Harryhausen and like all this uh, Jason and the Argonauts, and like the Medusa, and and, um, Clash of the Titans, and these kind of things. And it still works really well. And uh, sometimes this looks better than CGI. And I mean, yeah, of course, like we were like here in the 80s, so some fight scenes, you can see like cheap green screens, and and, like the, the stop motion technique. But in general, it just looks really, really good still. And I have like two friends, like two close friends from from my past that I like see randomly. They both have kids and yeah, they raise their kids on watching the Goonies and watching like Transformers and, and also like movies like Robocop. So they get like the same sentiment that we have and then also let them watch like modern stuff so they can see like how stuff has changed. But if you like raise kids now on just like, I don't know, Transformers Beast Wars or whatever is on TV or like the Transformers movies, you won't get like why the Transformers became such an immense hit in the first place. Why like the toy industry had such a interest in these cartoons and also why stuff like Predator, Terminator, Aliens, and, and Robocop became such cultural phenomena. Also, like nightmare on elm street or jason forkeys and today you don't have like these figures like the last figure in a way that the kids still like gravitate to is probably the saw doll and the scream mask yeah,
1: yeah it's definitely different yeah i mean we had we had a lot of these kind of properties and coming out and i think the thing was that all these things were were unique in themselves they also like I think the thing that that is funny about the 80s i mean you watch like you watch robocop like like i mean now i've watched robocop a thousand times when i was a kid like i the violence you know i i forgot i mean like I, had, I didn't watch it for a while and then i watched it again like in my 20s and i was like man this violence is crazy i can't believe i watched this like as much as i did when i was like a little kid but you're like when you're a kid you don't realize certain things like i never i didn't know what they're like they're sniffing like on the counter, like when he kills him. Um, yeah. More, and you know, what I mean, you don't know it's cocaine. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know. You just kind of gloss over certain things. You know what I mean? Like, and, yeah. And I think nowadays there's a lot more like uh, oddly, in the movie industry, there's a lot more trepidation about our ratings and and violence and all this kinds of stuff. Like, it feels like things have kind of like, kind of gone backwards in a way. You know, nowadays yeah. where back then they were very like free and they, their creativity was like, they weren't afraid about what they were creating, which I think is a big problem nowadays is that there's like yeah. so much trepidation about making anything now it feels like, and I feel like that's why the more popular movies right now are movies that are independent. like terrifier and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, yeah, cause I think people want that kind of like that kind of unhinged quality that a lot of these eighties movies had yeah but a lot of but all of the ma- major movies nowadays don't have that at all you know
2: yeah i mean if they try to establish like these these horror icons in in like these popular movies like they tried in sinister or insidious or um oh what was that with a with a backwards walking girl it's like this shitty big budget like i don't know like it's all terrible but like then comes along Terrifier and Art the Clown. And like, I have to say, I'm not a big, I'm not a huge fan of Terrifier. But like, it, it I, I, I have tremendous respect for the DIY approach about like, I don't give a fuck. I'll just make it gory as fuck. We spend two and a half hours and we have like a figure that is actually like iconic in a way. So like all kudos to this. I will certainly watch the third part and looking forward to where it goes, even though I'm not like a big fan. Um, but yeah like the independent movie scene they dare to do this and I and I think that these movies that we all gravitate to from our youth they were at least passion projects and not like Hollywood glamour you know
0: yeah
1: like Robocop was you know a mid-tier movie you know I mean like it wasn't really um, they weren't really it wasn't quite like low budget or not you know but it wasn't quite like this high budget high gloss movie it was kind of in between you had a you know Paul Verhoeven who before this movie was primarily famous for uh Flesh and Blood um I mean after this he would do Basic Instinct and um you know Starship Troopers and stuff, and have success with all these movies but like um you know he was you know pretty like out there I think he's um he's Dutch right
2: yeah, he's Dutch, Yes. Yeah,
1: and uh, you know, he comes on, and you know, he he really, and I mean, I think, um, I think he did Total Recall after this, right? I think so. Yes. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, which is another great movie. Uh, but yeah, I mean, this this movie established him. So I mean, you got and you got, but you got a great cast. You got great great special effects with like you know, Phil Tippett. You got Rob Bottin doing the doing the the suit you know like um an whole thing like so like it's amazing when you think about like with the suit for example i mean the suit's just like fiberglass it fits on his you know on this like thing like it's probably not that not super supremely heavy either you know like but they manage with like the the sound design and everything they manage to make you feel like he's like this solid like you know robot that moving through and everything you know what i mean
2: (laughs) Yeah, I, I have to say, like you bringing up the sound effects, that like watching all three movies back to back is like there is a real like some trademark sounds that are uh, like usually you have the Lucas Art sounds that have been reused, like the Star Wars sounds, and uh, but like Robocop, especially like the walking, like the thud sounds when he when he walks and the aiming and the firing of the gun. These are iconic sounds which they use throughout the whole franchise which I totally am in for and I always love that. And I mean, yeah, I mean, it had a budget of $13 million which is for the 80s, I guess, a fair amount of money but not like a super big budget. And it made 53, so they made 40 million which is also not like the highest grossing success, but it was like a sign like this works. And I mean, you have to consider that in, at first place, like at the test screenings, people were like, what kind of a dumb name is RoboCop? But it's like, this is exactly what you get. Like you had it on comic books back then. And it's just like, it's so on the nose. And like, I think that Paul Verhoeven at first was like, I don't get it. Like, he didn't want to produce it. Like, his wife, it took him, like, two readings and his wife convincing him to take on because then he understood, like, the the sat- satire in, like, in the movie. Also, like, the, the name, and it's so on, on the nose that he's, like, okay, like, I will totally, like, make this a movie that is, like, intelligent and ironic and not, like, cringeworthy, but also brutal and captivating and he did this and i mean look at it it spawned of two like two two uh true two uh prequels no sequels Sequels, sequels. yeah Yeah, he had like a reboot and he had like two live action tv shows which i have never seen an episode of and two cartoon offshoots make millions and millions of euros and dollars in merchandise and and that's the craziest thing that i found out about researching That's beginning in twenty twenty. There is the the pre-production started for Robocop Returns, a new installment which will like continue where the first part left off. Like kind of like with Halloween.
1: Oh, really? They're gonna just skip over two and three? Yeah, like, like they always do. So, uh-huh. so yeah,
2: people, people don't like these movies, so they just skip them and, and do something with part two. And I'm really curious how they want to do it. I mean, Paul Weller is still alive, but he's old. And um, also, like, uh, yeah, I mean, will they bring back the old suit? Will it be all CGI now? And I just recall, like you know, when 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 the like the newer Halloween part, like of the new three parts, the first one came out. I was pumped. So like, if if they make it in that vein and it's still gritty and violent, and I'd be down for it because the re the reboot of two thousand fourteen wasn't that good.
1: Yeah, I never never watched that one. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, I
2: watched it. It's not good.
1: Yeah, yeah, I was really put off by. It. I didn't like the suit design. It just... is i was just like no i'm not gonna watch this there's certain i just like could tell like from watching like the trailer i was like i'm not gonna like this movie like yeah and um the um yeah i think that that um i think they just hit upon something i mean like that was that kicked it all off you know and um but i think the thing was with, with robocop one though they they tried to maintain in the next two that didn't quite work as good is like one thing that is amazing with RoboCop one is the absolute perfect intersplicing with like the the advertising and the um the the, like news parts you know like where these news people are like talking about horrible things and just like super like yeah yeah." (laughs) you know like
2: (laughs) like like Fox News
1: (laughs) yeah like they're just like so like so like happy to be talking about like you know (laughs) horrible tragedies and you know what i mean like (laughs) yeah
2: i I wonder if tucker Carlson saw that and said like yeah this will be my my character on tv (laughs)
1: it's just like you watch it you're like i mean so much news is like that though like if you just watch like um local news even like here in the states like it's all like that it's like these like they look exactly those characters in a movie and they, they talk the same way and it doesn't matter if they're talking about something horrible or not horrible, they they deliver it with the same like type of type of um uh, exact same type of thing. So I think like that kind of satire that he added in there was like the way I think the verhoeven for Hooven, like he's just they he was able to to intersplice all this stuff so that those scenes perfectly went with like What was happening in the movie? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Which is something that they didn't do quite as good in the other two. But um...
2: yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the the thing. Like, you know, like it it became a success. It became this cultural phenomenon. Kids were into it. Of course, they want to like cash in on the franchise. And when they decided, and Irvin Kirshner took over, the person that we knew from Empire Strikes Back and Never Say Never Again. So, like a big, big Hollywood name. So, okay, you'll do Robocop 2. This is the franchise. And the first thing you, like, see, like, the look is almost the same. The special effects are almost the same. There's just no brutal violence like in the Verhoeven one. So all this social criticism explained through the brutal violence is gone, which is already, like, I think in the second part, I can still take it. In the third part, it really, like, gets lost on me. But, uh, yeah, that's, like, the biggest difference between
1: one and two, I think. Yeah, well, two has, like, when you go into two, the violence is a little less. At least it's still, like, I mean, you have, like, stuff, like, with the kid who's, like, the drug dealer kid, who like, which yeah. is something you would never see nowadays, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, that, yeah. that was pushing it, like, which but I like that a lot, like, that you had this, like, kid, like, like selling drugs like the in and now when you got the nuke thing, you got the character Kane, who becomes RoboCop two. Yeah, Um, I think that. The. um, One mistake that they did with RoboCop two is not bringing Basil Paul Doris back for the music, which they did in three. So the Mm -hmm. music doesn't quite, quite work as good as in the first movie, Um, but you have like, I would say that RoboCop two is like not it's not a bad movie. By any no. means. I mean it's a pretty good movie. Like I don't think it's definitely not as good as the first one. And I would say that the first half of the movie is not not I don't I didn't really enjoy the first half very much. I, I enjoyed it more like the second hour of the movie. I feel like it really picked mm-hmm. up. You know what I mean? Like yeah, first, it's,
2: it's yeah, sorry. What are you gonna say? Uh no, I would just say that uh to me, like it really picks up pace when uh when Hob so Gabriel Damon, the the boy Which is like to me the best actor in the whole cast. It's like this this asshole kid when he takes over after Kane got uh, like injured and killed and turned into the RoboCop two. And when RoboCop two then goes into uh, this meeting between the governor and uh, and these these politicians and the mayor Mayor Cusack right. Yeah. and then robocop 2 shows up that's like where the action picks up
1: yeah 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 because the whole plot line of robocop 2 is essentially based around like omnicorp is still trying to get delta city off the ground they essentially are sabotaging detroit by you know basically like not giving any money to the cops so the cops are about to go on strike again like or they go on strike you know and basically they just want to let like essentially chaos and everything ruined detroit so that because the detroit city is like um they're like uh in debt to omnicorp or something like that so they know that after a certain point they can just buy out the city and just level it and build this delta city thing on top of it
2: yeah that's why they that's why they want to like work hand in hand with the bad guys so
1: yeah so they're working with with canes but then basically like um the guy kane is creating this like nuke drug which and he has this kind of like he has a kind of like almost like uh um, cult following yeah he's 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 got like a cult following he's kind of got this kind of like cult idea of better living through chemistry kind of through this but the th- mm. problem with the nuke stuff is that it caused people to be more violent mm. but there's a part and it's really funny where he goes and they're like talking about all these like other types of drugs and they're like oh this one's called blue velvet and then he's like frank you're like which is the guy who makes the drugs and i was just laughing i was like that's obviously like a yeah nod to fucking blue velvet like the movie <laughs> yeah.
2: that's so cool and all, i also i i mean you have to because it like it's 1990 and uh it was the time and i think i saw it at the end of 1990 maybe early 91 that was the time when nirvana just blew up and I I always thought like Tom Noonan, who plays Kane, like in Kane, looked like the, the fucked up version of Kirsten Novoselic. And yeah. uh, like he has like he's super tall and has like the same kind of weird face. Um yeah, so this is like a like a thing that got me. But yeah, I mean, the um the, the whole idea with the drugs and then like pretty much allowing them to um to inject poison into their own system to fuck up the city so ocp cannot have like hold control over the city it's such like a hail mary kind of move and yeah. then uh yeah and then like of course they have the idea of like we need a new robocop the other one is outdated and they always like like we mentioned in in like the coverage of the first part it's like uh, like who do you who do you get? And they try out different cops that are lost the battle, and they all lost their mind and kill themselves when they were a cyborg. So you see cyborgs disintegrating themselves because they couldn't take the pain. Yeah. So they they thought about like yeah, Cain is like such a such an intense brain and thinker that they can control it. So like the doctor, I don't know if it was was a Julia Fax, like Doctor Julia Fax, that decides to like actually kill him. And make him because they uh, they make him into Robocop 2. because she thinks she can control him through nuke. So yeah. still Robocop 2, like as a cyborg, is still addicted to this drug. And this is like kind of weird that she feeds the machine this drug and had like this max headroom kind of like uh, monitor that you can see his face at or looks like looks like something out of Captain Power. I don't know if you recall that show, but it's a uh, Something I really loved.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely like RoboCop two as well. Like the design of the robot is one hundred percent Phil Tippett. Like because like yeah. in if you watch Mad God, he has these robots to look exactly like it with like the lights <laughs> and everything. Like um and uh yeah, she thinks this doctor is like insane. One of, one of my least favorite parts of this movie is when she tries to program RoboCop to like be useless essentially, and then he has to yeah. shock himself. Yeah, that, yeah yeah, that whole part like i just find it so annoying like personally but um you know whatever he stocks himself he gets himself back together he like gets all the the cops to like all right let's take these people down or whatever but like the um they like raid the nuke stuff that's when they kill kane but yeah then they she transforms. She, she's like insane she like thinks she, she can control him through this nuke but basically they use him to go murder the mayor and he murdered in like in that meeting that we're talking about with the kid and that's when and that's when robocop right really kind of figures out what's going on and um when the one of the things that i thought was really pretty on the nose but but i think kind of worked really good was in the scene where the ocp o- 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 is about to go take over the city essentially like when he drives when the when the CO drives up and if did you notice how the flags on the wall on the building around like have these like banners that look like nazi flags
2: absolutely yes. <laughs> I down too, yeah yeah the black uh, the the uh it's like a red it's like a red flag, flag. yeah, looked,
1: yeah. A white circle with like the ocp and black inside it looked exactly the same design as a nazi flag so it's yeah. this movie is very much talking about corporate fascism essentially you know
2: Yes, absolutely. So this still has a lot of depth to it. And uh again, gentrification and like abuse of power. And yeah, you need like the good guy. And the question again is like what makes a what makes a soul good in, in like in the key element? Because Murphy is still upholding his the law. Yes, he's still conflicted. That's why they deep debunk him and like erase his memories, but he still gets them back. And that's why you give like a mass murderer even more power and you try to control him. And that's not possible. And that's why everything goes wrong. And that's in the next shooting and the next like big showdown, which again is like kind of a Western style almost, you know, like with at 209 or Robocop 2. You have like these these shootouts in the end. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah, this movie really comes at the end with like the shootout with um with Robocop two. And, uh, I know Peter Weller himself felt like there should have been like another part to the movie, like where he confronts like the CEO or something, yeah. which doesn't really have, doesn't happen. The movie ends with the shootout of Robocop two, which is a good shootout. But then the, the CEO is basically getting away with it. They're going to like, just like sell out the doctor. Yeah. Stay as all her plan and that they had nothing to do with it. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and the whole movie ends with like Lewis being like, it's not fair. He gets, just gets away with it. And, uh, robocop says like patience lewis we're only human or something like that you know <laughs>
2: yeah yeah and i uh, mean uh yeah by that time i assumed that they already like had an idea that probably there will be a third part coming yeah
1: yeah and i mean the one thing that's got to be pointed out is this sc- movie was scripted by frank miller you know of uh yeah the dark knight um returns and you know sin city and all this stuff like that you know and he scripted both this one and um part three um although he had very bad experiences apparently with with them and he didn't go back to writing working in hollywood until he was able to direct sin city but um so this movie so i think that some of the a lot of the elements of this movie definitely have a very strong frank miller feeling you know i mean like frank miller was kind of hitting on some of these similar ideas into dark knight returns you know yeah um with like the the media and and all this kinds of stuff and um so i think that works it makes sense to have frank miller writing a robocop you know and i think a lot of the good aspects of this movie come from him Absolutely. Um, the problem i mean they the thing is is that they increase the um kind of this movie's a little bit heightened it's very kind of camp at times in a way you know i mean like everybody's playing to a thousand you know what i mean like (laughs) yeah like um and you see like the CEO is like, you know, in the first movie, he didn't seem quite too bad, but in this movie he's like evil, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but still, like
2: I, I back this movie still. It's um it 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 aged well. You can still enjoy it. Um I would have loved to see this one done by Verhoeven, like with a Verhoeven violence and maybe like the grittiness. Um i like that they like took some traits and um that they they uh brought them back you know like which i which she mentioned before that is also into the third one um yeah but still like i i back this i mean the the first one to me is a 5 out of 5 movie and this one's still like a 4 out of 5 movie yeah
1: yeah and then you had robocop 3 which i think came out what a couple of years out I think it was ninety, ninety three, ninety three. three. Mm. Ninety three, yeah. And um unfortunately Weller didn't come back for this, and not because he didn't want to, but because he was shooting naked sit naked lunch mm. with David Cronenberg. And he wanted he actually wanted to come back, but uh, they wanted to just go ahead with the movie, so they recast him. Yeah. Um and um this movie like it's the whole plot line is essentially yet again is the Delta City thing. But Omnicorp is it's a few years later. and Omnicorp seems that the CEO died. Omnicorp is now being run by Rip Torn's character, and it seems like they're kind of like not doing as good as they were. Like they they were very powerful, but they've had like a lot of controversies and stuff that's kind of like causing them to to kind of go under a little bit, and they get bought out by this Japanese company, which yeah. um, uh, and essentially like um. They're supposed to, you know, essentially level out this area to build Delta City. Um, and what Omnicorp decides to do because they're under pressure from the Japanese company to get it done. Um, but what they decide to do is they get these these this comp this kind of paramilitary um, essentially mercenaries um, yes. who have been kind of whitewashed by the media to being like some type of hero, but they're actually like. Super like evil, brutal like fascist type of type of figures. You know what I mean? Like yeah, the roundups they
2: did when they like they evacuate the people.
1: Yeah, yeah, like all that stuff is very like um probably hitting at ideas of stuff that people and Eastern Europe had to deal with with the communists and people had to deal with the Nazis. You know what I mean? This type of stuff that hitting on real things where, you know, I mean, the, the communists essentially, I mean, Stalin like moved whole populations around just because he wanted to, you know what I mean? Like to kill or to like genocide, yeah. you know, like this is kind of stuff that is pretty real. So it's, it's very chilling when you're seeing that, you know, like they're just rounding them up and killing yeah. people. And you don't, you don't, you like try to fight them. And essentially there, there's like a resistance movement and, RoboCop kind of gets embroiled in all this, and he, uh, in the process, Lewis gets killed, and so he basically like wants to get revenge on the, on these paramilitary guys. And yeah, yeah. So the whole movie's kind of based around these this, these ideas. I think again, like there's this aspect of um, of uh, thing with RoboCop. Like again, with the OCP, like they want him to just be their their little dog, but he has like morals, and he has like basically um he has he has a self yeah what's what's the word um uh um he turns against the makers in a way you know what i mean like that's so what i think yeah. the whole plot and particularly in this one 100 percent is that he essentially rebels against his maker you know what i mean and, yeah. and um has free will and the doc and that is helped because this doctor like reprograms him and deletes that fourth uh Thing so he can actually operate against ocp
2: right again like we have the same situation as in the first one because he cannot fire uh like to kill the military guys and so he just shoots up there like there's this one scene when they when they flee into the church to uh to like pretty much yeah like there's this little girl right now the little boy is it a boy or a girl it's a girl it's a girl right she uh her family gets killed in in these these raids and, uh, but she joins the resistance and she's super good at programming and reprograms at 209 to help them. And he sees her in like in the patrol and gets reminded of his son again. So he has these visions and he, uh, he he locates them and then yeah, the military comes and he doesn't want the kid to be shot. And then he stands against them. And that's like that way you said like Lewis gets killed and he gets shut down uh, and, and also almost like broken to pieces. Yeah, and then he gets uh, repaired again. So you've got a lot of stuff that you've seen before bundled in a different way. And I have to say up until this point, I totally backed that movie. It's like, as I said, I haven't seen it before. I only heard terrible things. And while watching it like last week, I was like, that's actually pretty good. Like it's same optake. Like okay, it's not it's uh, it's, it's John Paul uh, Robert John Burke now as Robocop, but you still got uh, Nancy Allen as Lewis, and you got the the visuals, and you got the sounds, and it's it's good. And, but then like these this Japanese or like this Asian uh, I don't know cyborg machine like came, and this is kind of like oh god that was terrible and then yeah the worst part is like the 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 flight scene when he has the jetpack on later on that's that's just terrible
1: yeah it didn't didn't work too good i mean yeah like essentially the the yeah the cops essentially also rebel and they they joined the resistance and there's like that big like battle scene like on the on the street yeah yeah i mean i think i don't mind him doing the jetpack but but it doesn't it just looks silly <laughs> you know yeah i mean, yeah, that's, I mean
2: that's 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 yeah that's where the technology wasn't good back then yeah yeah but um you know what like this scene where where the cops join in the resistance and then they barricade themselves in the in the town because they know there's an attack coming and this reminded me so much of like every a-team every a-team episode ever yeah
1: <laughs> yeah it definitely has that feeling and and the paramilitary guys team up with like the the um oh the, yeah yeah the the, the 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 punk these like punk like crazy splatter punks that's
0: yeah
2: splatter punks this is they look so shitty it's yeah. like yeah it's um uh it's just it's just too much but yeah i mean the uh the uh, otono character i just looked it up otono was the the asian equivalent like the uh, the the asian robocop so to say um I wrote down like in with with, with um, RoboCop and uh, RoboCop 2, it was kind of like Hulk fi- fighting Abomination. So yeah, like this. And to me, RoboCop versus Otono felt like T-800 versus the T-1000 in Terminator 2. You know, the advanced yeah. technology in a way.
1: Well, and I think that it does make sense because, I mean... Uh, japan and has always been far ahead of the united states with a lot of these technology things in the past so yeah they're you know they're kind of projecting this idea that we have robocop but and these types of things but japan has like literally like a, a something that looks like a human being basically that can you know fight martial arts and stuff And it it, it doesn't it's not it doesn't bother me that much i thought it was a little silly but like uh yeah he's definitely like very far advanced the robocop that's for sure <laughs> yeah yeah
2: but um yeah overall like i have to say like it, it, this movie got back then in the in the ratings and the the criticism they destroyed this movie i don't know what they expected it to be but like people hated it and it was just a gigantic box office flop and that pretty much also died down the uh the RoboCop franchise um 94 there was a live action show of 21 episodes I have yeah. no idea how this was like, how successful or not, but it I, was the the end to the movie franchise for for the time being. Yeah,
1: yeah uh, I definitely watched the show when I was a kid. Uh, I haven't seen it since I was a kid, so I don't really remember. I don't hmm. remember it very good. I definitely watched it when it was out on on there, um, and but I don't remember if it's good or not. I'd have to re-watch it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, this movie, like, I am part of the problem is that. Because RoboCop was popular with kids, they kind of toned down. The violence is way too toned down in this movie. Like, RoboCop barely even kills anybody. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, there's very little blood. Like, this is basically a PG movie. Yeah, it um, was PG, PG-13. PG Yeah, it's a PG-13 movie for sure. There's not, not a lot of violence. That's, like, the one issue I have with it is that it should, that it's a little too toned down, I think. Yeah. Um but, uh, you know, I, I would say overall, though, I don't think it's 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 that bad. I don't think it's as bad as people say it is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I agree. Uh, like, and I mean, definitely when I was a kid, like I said earlier, like as I started watching this, I started like flashing back. I was like, oh, man, when I was a kid, I fucking loved this movie. <laughs> like, it's probably mm-hmm. my second favorite after the first one. You know what I mean? And yeah. I could see why. Because for a kid, it's definitely, you know, an exciting movie. You know what I mean? Like, and, and I was into the kind of Japanese stuff. So I didn't mind that part following as a kid. So it's like, I think, um, um, but even now, I mean, rewatching, I had fun watching it. Like I thought it was a fun movie, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, it's a lo- definitely less serious. Like it's not as, it's not, uh, you know, like I would still say it a pretty good movie. You know, I don't think it's like, I definitely don't think it's as horrible as people say it is, you know? No. I mean, like,
2: like I said, it's like the effects are cheap, like the, uh, like the flight scene and there's not like a really cool antagonist robot because I don't consider Otomo being like a real cool like opponent. Also, he gets rid of him really fast until yeah. you see that there are several of them and then he kills them fast with his machine gun arm that he has now. So that's why like 1 and 2, they stand out to me because they have like with at 209 and Robocop 2, they have these great... Like bigger guys that he has to fight off in this David versus Goliath kind of moment. Um, well, I think, but, I think,
1: I think, I yeah. think two in Robocop one, one of the biggest, one of the secret weapons of Robocop one is Kerwood Smith's character, like yeah. Boddicker. Like, cause he's really like, in a lot of ways, like, you know, you know, he kills them. Like, it's like you have a real sense of satisfaction in that final showdown yeah. of like the gang and Robocop. Like, so it's like not only does we have this kind of, fight with ed 209 but then you also have this amazing like shootout like in the in the in the old plant and you have like you know the one guy getting destroyed by like all the the toxic waste and you know i mean like the whole thing is just so satisfying shoot like the shootout with like kurtwood smith's character and stuff so i think like um you don't have that with this movie at all like you don't really have you have like that main bad that kind of like leader of the um of the paramilitary group, but the the kind of he kind of Robocop doesn't kill him. You know what I mean? Like essentially like the guy sets some kind of weird bomb for some reason and then blows himself up essentially. You know what I mean? Like it's not like um satisfying in the same way. You know what I mean? Like and you think that this guy just killed fucking Lewis. Like you should have like a more of a a showdown with him and this guy and Robocop should kill this guy. Like you know what I mean?
2: maybe that's the tr- they they try to at least because this movie lacks like the social undertones maybe that's like this this final thing like oh look he's 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 so moral now that he doesn't act on revenge or out of revenge i don't think that is that but like let's for the sake of like a better explanation hope that that's what they meant you know like he he knows like yeah i should kill this guy but i'm not killing this guy you know like what?
0: yeah john connor
2: tells t1 like the the Terminator 2 don't kill anybody
1: yeah yeah well i think in the end in the movie like the guy sets the bomb and then robocop decides to save the kid and the doctor instead of uh yeah instead of you know killing the guy because i guess he knows the guy's gonna die anyways but you know i feel like it would have been maybe a little bit more satisfying you had more of a showdown between him and the the guy um Especially it, since it
2: wasn't such a in such a tower like office scenario like the first one. You kind of like hoped he would shoot him like at two oh nine, shot like the first guy, or when he when he shot uh like the when he's the the the, the, the end guy. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's like he's you're fired, thank you. And then like he shoots <laughs> him. Uh. yeah,
1: yeah. I, I think they should have had something like that with with um with him. But maybe maybe part of it too because it wasn't the a tower, they didn't want to do the same thing they did in the first one. I don't know. yeah right? like um I think uh yeah and with this one the social commentary is definitely toned down i mean you definitely have the commentary of like the the corporation like kind of the same thing corporation being evil like i think you do have the commentary of them trying to just kind of forcible like evacuate you know like where they're kind of which does have elements that tie into um uh you know with that and then it basically turns into war zone of a resistance movement and stuff like I mean you kind of have like some elements which definitely relate to say fascist or communist like dictatorships and stuff like that but the kind of corporate American version of it you know what I mean
2: yeah yeah Uh, I mean like to 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 round it up I think the The third one, like you said, it's not a bad movie. It's just like it lacks the substance of the first one. The first one is so well balanced. And also like one point that I just like found in my list that I want to mention is like, if you have like these moments where you like fear out laugh like in the first movie, because it's so over the top, like this, I would buy this for a dollar and and stuff like this. You know, like there's like ironic stuff that's actually like you start smiling and laughing but like in the third one, for example, when he chases McDaggart and he steals the pimp car, and RoboCop drives around in this pink like uh, Cadillac pimp mobile. It's just <laughs> like it's like it's supposed to be funny, but it's just like uh,
1: it's okay, kind of like, yeah. it's just kind of goofy, yeah. Like yeah. that's the that's, that's kind of the problem. Like I think with as far as like the the kind of um, commentary and the kind of satire of the first movie. I think that was really verhoeven i mean they, they they brought in a little bit of that in robocop 2 but it just didn't hit the same way like you know like in of like the advertisements robocop 2 felt just kind of like oh we got to make some uh advertisements to like because the first one yeah. had them you know what i mean like yeah, but they, yeah, right, they, they, right. they don't really like fit the plot or anything at all like with the first right. one you know all the advertisements in the first movie yeah. had relevance to what was happening you know
2: yeah, it's lackluster, and I like. I mean, as much as I look forward to what they like going to do with like, if there will actually be this RoboCop returns idea that is in production, I would like totally like bag like with crowdfunding if or something, and I would think they would get millions out of it if they do it to have like okay, Paul Verhoeven, you want to redo number two and number three, so the basic plot stays. But you think it through. You write like a good plot, and you fix the plot holes. Make it a bit more violent, a bit more gritty. Then we would have like an all-time killer top, uh, like trilogy movie.
1: Yeah, I would love it if they brought if they brought Verhoeven back for this movie. I would be one hundred percent like interested because I mean, I feel like I feel like it was I feel like it was his his kind of elements that he brings into his movies that kind of helped um, push it over the edge. You know what I mean? Like you already yeah. had probably a great script and everything, but I think his elements really like pushed it forward a little bit. And I think that that's kind of what's missing. I mean, you have you have great directors for two and three. You have um, Irving Kirscher and you have Fred Decker and, and the third one, you know, who did yeah. like Night of the Creeps and like, yeah. um, and they both do pretty good jobs with what they got but they you know there's certain elements that that kind of get a little watered down as the ser- as the series goes on that that the first one just has like perfectly and yeah i think that that's that's kind of like the thing like the first one's definitely always going to be i mean that's one of my favorite movies of all time you know i mean like i can watch yeah. it i've watched it a thousand times and i still love watching it you know yeah but it'll probably be a while yeah. before i watch two and three again yeah, that, absolutely. Yeah.
2: Like I, I thought like I tried to like when, when after watching it, I thought like, okay, which movie trilogy has like kind of the same like down, like downfall in a way. And the only thing I came up with is Hellraiser in a way, you know, that the first one is so perfect. The second one, I still love it, but it has its flaws, but it's still good. And the third one then starts to get goofy and it's not like a bad movie in itself, but it's not as good. But like then comparison, Hellraiser had like 800 more installments that were all horrible and RoboCop just faded into like remakes and, and TV shows. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think... um yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, RoboCop, a TV show. That, so it had the one TV show in 94, I think, and then had another one in 2001, which I never saw that one either.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's supposedly not terrible. It's called RoboCop Prime Detectives, and it's just like four 90-minute TV movies. Yeah,
1: yeah I think I need to check those out and see them. I and, I mean, of course, we also talked about that they had a cartoon show, yeah. which I watched when I was a kid. Um, and then you had, like, the Sega Genesis game, which was amazing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh yeah, I mean, tons of action figures. Robocop was just a was a big thing in the late eighties, early nineties and and um and yeah, it just kind of faded out. I think um particularly when you got into the um the later nineties, I mean like the kind of flavor of sci fi kinda of changed like matrix and stuff like that, you know, and um but I think that when it comes to this kind of sci-fi movies, cause I'm not a huge sci-fi person, but I'm really, I like movies like Robocop where, or um, Blade Runner or um, things like that. Even to a certain extent, something like Total Recall, these kind of movies where the future that they present is somewhat like uh, believable. You know what I mean? Like Robocop, yeah. I think is probably out of almost any sci-fi movie I've ever seen is probably one of the most believable, you know? Absolutely, yeah.
2: I mean, I'm not a super big fan of Blade Runner, but uh, yeah, a lot of movies there, they try to be like way over the top and have like these crazy ideas of the future. And RoboCop is like, I like the approach that it's not too far off. And it's it's almost like, yeah, like I said, like if you watch it from a perspective nowadays, it doesn't seem too far off from where we are at now. Yeah.
1: No. Dick I would say, like if people were to ask me, what is my i what do I think the future holds for humanity? I would say Robocop and Judge dread <laughs> those are the most uh, realistic yeah. fair um, enough yeah, because with both of them, you have a kind of wealth inequality that gets so out of control that like you know, in judge dread, like the wealthy have access to all this crazy shit, and everybody else is living in these tower blocks like basically on on welfare essentially, you know what I mean that with just yeah. like Rampant violence and 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 everything and I feel like RoboCop is kind of presenting a similar future where it's like. You know, uh, particularly in, in urban centers like that, you would have just like basically just violence and crime and most of the people are out in suburbs and whatnot and the corporations the slow like takeover uh, from corporations of everything like. Uh, I mean that's that's where we're going if there's nothing is done to kind of. To kind of um halt what's you know that what's going on the corporations are getting so big and out of control that yeah they can do whatever they want you know what i mean they have complete ability to just sell out you know the, the united states government is completely sold out to corporations you know what i mean they don't do anything to stop them anymore you know like um yeah like um you know like we're we're already on that 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 directive and things have just gotten worse because of it like i mean when they when in the united states that they basically allowed corporations to be a person and thus able to give as much money as they want to candidates which i think was during obama i mean everything's gotten worse since then because now corporations can just completely just buy out everybody and and there's no nobody in our government everybody in my government's a criminal now you know what i mean like they're just like corporate whores you know
2: yeah, it's uh it's yeah, like I mean look at the look at this thing with uh you had Trump as a president and where it led to with with COVID and everything like coming together and you know like how many corporations have their fingers in everything like I said privatization of highways and trains and everything it is uh it's not too far off everything unfortunately yeah
1: No, yeah. And I could see a corporation actually doing something like they do in this movie where they purposely basically spread like essentially violence and crime in certain areas so they can take control over it you know what I mean like that yeah it seems like something a corporation would do and um yeah so yeah I think that uh unfortunately Robocop's pretty prescient but
2: (laughs) yeah yeah it is but uh still I mean it was fun like going back and watching these movies. And like you said, the first time is an all time classic. Um, I would say that Robocop is one of the most iconic figures of any movie franchise. It's, uh, he's right up there with a the predator, with a Terminator, with Freddy Krueger, Jason Voorhees. He's super recognizable. Um, his look has like passed the test of time. And yeah, I'm really curious to see like where it will lead. Uh, uh, unless it's it's turning into that shit that the 2014 remake was with trying making it black and really slick and shit. Like and I, I need the old Robocop back.
1: Yeah, I, I want to see um, Robocop be uh, look like he did in the original movies. I'd like to have them make them in a more um, old school fashion. Like um, I don't want I, if they. Make Robocop just a fucking CGI fest. I'd be like, I'm no, I'm good, you know. Like, yeah, and um, I would say that I think though, the one thing with Robocop too is that with all of that kind of like um negativity about corporation stuff, I think that there is a positive message in Robocop in the sense that somebody Robocop is a positive figure, you know. I mean, he does the right thing, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's a hero in a, in a real way, and and like. I think that that's one of the underlying messages of the robocop movies is essentially that yeah like like um you know he, t- he kind of triumphs over stuff as much as he can you know what i mean absolutely yes and yeah i think uh it's just like 100 percent. robocop is one of the best best movies of all time <laughs> yeah
2: I, I'll, I'll second that yeah
1: and yeah i think um the next time we're gonna next of we're gonna cover here in a little bit is gonna be his ninth gate right that's, that's what we talked about yes 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 yeah which is another one of my favorite movies of all time <laughs> yeah that's a
2: that's a that's a stellar one yeah i am really looking forward to it but yeah we've got a bunch of ideas it was good to like doing this good to be back on here and uh yeah i'm I'm glad to see solnox doing well and um I have like if you if you're not a Patreon on here or everything went black. I would say, what's that? I just wanted to say, wait a second. Maybe you can hear it better then.
1: Oh, okay. I don't hear anything.
2: Nothing. It's too quiet. Yeah, it's like I just played the. I'd buy that for a dollar thing because it's a Patreon.
1: Maybe yeah, you have I'd, to edit edit it in, yeah. Yeah, I buy that for a dollar. Yeah, I have to
2: try yeah, to edit the, that in.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. The um, no man. Yeah, yeah. It's cool. It's cool to be back here. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, and maybe we'll have to do something for the Solnox Patreon as well, like some type of cover something else. But yeah, the people need to, to go check those out. Go on. Everything went black, and uh, you and you and Mike just did. A, I like the episode you guys just did with um. Doctor, the case of Doctor Jekyll, and Mr Hyde. That was a good one.
2: Yeah, yeah, great story. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's like the the inter the the intertwines of all the podcasts now is so cool, and I hope that like all the all the listeners, like a lot of listeners, they follow like all the Horsemen, and I hope they also back the 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 Patreons. And I mean, like yeah, like it would be like a dollar for most, and uh, it's a lot of good stuff going on, and I'm glad that I. I was sucked into this uh, vortex of cool
1: people. Yeah, yeah. One of the one of the horsemen. <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm just like you know, like I'm just a co-host. Like I don't have my own podcast show, but I'm glad that I get invited and give my German sense of humor and stupid knowledge of 80s stuff to the broader masses. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well, so I think it's great to you know, and yeah, it's great to have you on and and talk to you about these movies like i really liked our last one with sam Neill, and this one's great and it'll be great to talk about ninth gate next time and always always a pleasure to have you on ralph dude
2: uh, my pleasure thanks for having me
1: perfect thanks ralph